Charm Diamond Centers. Okay, not bad, but remember, those three little words carry a lot of weight. Has to save 50 years of a family-owned business. Charm Diamond Centers. Dylan, think lifetime diamond guarantee, unbeatable pricing policy, stores across the country filled with experts who love love. Charm Diamond Centers. 0% interest financing, trade-up policy, easy payments. I need to feel that in your voice. It has to sound like Charm Diamond Centers. Wow, that was really good. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Why isn't this button working? Oh, there we go. Well, better late than never. Welcome. It's phase. Fucking Anton Lander. I like really like the backup song. Bag milk. This is Ceases. 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 Let's go, baby. Ceases. Yeah! Tyler, your rem check is so fucking sexy. Ceases. Fucking Anton Lander. Let's turn the intro music down. Let's get to it. Better late than never. This is so... Better late than never. So sexy, according to 12 out of 10 scientists. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Another episode of Better Late Than Never. I think it's episode 57, 58, somewhere in there. Busy show today. I've got Nick Alberga from the Leafs Nation and DailyFaceOff.com joining me soon, so there is no time to waste. Absolutely none, and that's why I'm going to tell you about the audio department. Go check them out at theaudiodepartment.ca. They work, of course, as I've been telling you for months now, to create a a safe space for creativity and collaboration for artists and musicians to realize their potential and share their message through sound and story. They are located at 6916 82nd Avenue right here in Edmonton, and the website, once again, is theaudiodepartment.ca. Lots going on in the world of the Edmonton Oilers today, including a new article over at Sportsnet from uh, Mark Spector about, yes, Pugliarvi, that's got the internet real mad. We're going to get to that in a second. But first, we're going to start off with a little chat about Christmas. I love Christmas. I really do. I'm a big Christmas guy. If you look at my house right now, if you can, if I can invite you in to the Castle Milk for a second, I've got windows with lights on them. I've got a nice tree. I've got lights in the kitchen. I'm feeling festive. I'm feeling festive. And the question of the week this week for me is, I want to know what the worst part about Christmas is. 
I want to know what's the most annoying part of this time of year. Next week, we're going to say what's the best part of Christmas. The list of best parts of Christmas is endless, in my opinion. There's lots to love, from the food, from drinking every day just because it's Christmas season, to, you know, giving presents, giving gifts, leaving cookies and milk out for Santa. There's lots to like there. But first, I want to get to the most annoying parts about Christmas. I imagine we're going to have some of those in the voicemail. But when I asked you on social media, as I do every week, again, your answers just tend to make me laugh. I just love them so much. And when I said... What is the worst part about the Christmas season? My girl Kylie, she jumped in first. One, the cold-ass weather. Two, working in a mall. Yeah, if you work anywhere near a mall or even in retail in general right now, just what a nightmare. I just, I don't know how you guys do it and I respect it so much because people are so stressed out at this time of year for varying reasons. They're trying to get things last minute and... I mean, as my wood is crofted says, it's got to be the Christmas music that's forced everywhere. So if you're working in a mall, how many times a day are you hearing Mariah Carey? How many times do you think? Four? Five? More? That shit happens, starts in November, mid-November. As soon as Remembrance Day's out of the way, Christmas tunes go up. And if you're working in retail, I just, I don't know how you do it. Jay Carlage says, worst part of the Christmas season, attempting without the receipt to return stuff you bought or got throughout the year by blaming a family member for buying you a crappy gift. <laughs> ah. Gotta try and return some stuff that you maybe didn't like. You know, you bought it in March, that pair of slacks. You're like, I'm going to look good in these cords. It's 2002. I got a pair of corduroys. All of a sudden, they don't look so good. You want to return those without a receipt? You got to wait till Christmas. Uh, BMAC says, the songs in every drugstore I shop at, and they curse the people who get stuck in their heads. Uh, as Stephen Ellis from Daily Faceoff chimed in on that one, this sounds like it could have been a song name from a 2008 MySpace band era. <laughs> MySpace era band, I should say. <laughs> Uh, Cameron says, I work on cars for a living and it has to be the music. The amount of people that come in and they have their radio set to Christmas music station from December 1st is crazy. Listening to the same six songs sung by different artists is awful. It's already everywhere else. Calm down. Over on my Instagram page, that's hi, my name is Bag Milk. Uh, Michelle says, I'm trying to be in 10 places at once. That's one of my things too. One, it is 3.40 as I'm recording right now in my house in Studio 93 at the Castle Milk. And... I'm looking outside and the sun is going down already. Daylight savings time, my ass. It's the worst. You know you those days when you get up, you go to work, it's dark. You sit in an office or you're sitting at school or you're sitting wherever you're working. And you leave and it's also dark. Got to get them vitamin D pills, you know. Got to get them vitamin D pills. The D drops are those little thingies. Those are my missus got me. Put those in my water in the morning. Make sure that I'm feeling happy for the rest of the day. Uh, listening to the songs written by people living in California about dreaming of a white Christmas or walking in a winter wonderland while it's minus 35, not including the wind chill. That one's from Ty. <laughs> it's like, it's, yep, yep. I've got Nick Alberga coming up on the podcast in a little bit. And I checked out the weather in Toronto right now. They don't, I don't even think they have any snow. That's not very Christmassy. But yeah, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas when we're just shoveling, freezing. My beloved Alfa Romeo is covered in a layer of frost. By the way, Alfa Romeo of Edmonton, if you're listening, and I know you are, thank you so much for that car because the heated steering wheel, I didn't know that I needed a heating steering wheel in my life, but this winter, now that I have one, I don't know how I'm ever going to go back. 
Again, I told you, I'm just going to steal this car. I imagine there's a GPS in there somewhere, but I'm just going to drive it away. You can't stop me. You may find the car, but you will never find me. No, I'm gone. That heated steering wheel? Come on. Uh, Ty, a different Ty. Man, how many people named Tyler do I know in my life? The first one was from Ty Holland. This one is from a different Ty. Ty Trimble. People who talk about all the things they will buy on Boxing Week weeks in advance. (laughs) I'm going to go to West Edmonton Mall at 6.30 in the morning, and I'm going to line up, and I'm going to go get all the deals at La Senza. (laughs) Do people stop and shop at La Senza? Probably. Hey, San Francisco still open? I'm going to go in the back. I'm going to look at the adult section. Buy myself a calendar with naughty photos on it. I'm going to get it at a discount. Uh, lastly, this one came in from Tim, and it made me laugh out loud when I read it the other day. Wikipedia asking me for money. <laughs> every year you go to Wikipedia at around December, they've always got the same thing out, and it makes me laugh every year. Uh, if you want to chime in on this question, keep them coming in. Keep them coming in because I love, I, I, I just don't get enough of these answers. And if you want to call back to last week's, what fast food restaurant would you eat at if you had to eat there the rest of the time? It doesn't matter. Just chime in. Leave me a voicemail. The link is in my link tree as well as on social media. Just fire me a DM. I'll play your stuff. I'll read your stuff. That's what this is all about. And I appreciate you guys for chiming in on the worst parts of Christmas. If you want to get a head start on next week's podcast, what's the best part of Christmas? Yeah, you could say hanging out with family and junk, but you know what I mean. You know what I mean. I'm telling you right now, today's Wednesday, December 7th, as I'm recording this. There's an Oilers game coming up in four hours' time. If you don't think that I'm going to be making cocktails for that Oilers game just because it's Wednesday in December, well, you don't know your friend Bag Milk. You don't know your friend Bag Milk. Sticking with the Grinchly spirit, but also ultimately talking about the Oilers, I, I got to say that I'm surprised about what's going on right now when it comes to our beloved Jay Woodcroft. At least I thought he was beloved, but maybe it's just, is it because I haven't played the Jay Woodcroft song in a little bit that we're f- forgetting how much we loved him? I got to say, I'm surprised though. I really am surprised by how many people have reached out either for the mailbag or just chiming in on social media. Brownlee wrote about it today at OilersNation.com of people thinking that our boy Woody, the guy that got us to the Western Conference Finals was a mistake as the hire of the uh, hire. Our boy Woody is a mistake to be hired as the head coach of the Edmonton Oilers after what he just did. I don't buy it, man. I got to say, I'm surprised. And after the last game against Washington, I'll admit I'm going to talk about the schedule in the news as I always do because it was ugly the last week since I last recorded. But I got to say, I'm surprised. After Washington, especially, he benched Evan Bouchard in that game. And man, people were real mad about it. When Bouchard was asked about being benched the next day after practice, here's what he had to say. I guess what I would, my question would be, as a professional hockey player, do you have to get used to, yeah, I made a mistake, and yeah, i got to get past this thing. It's part of the process. Definitely. I think it's part of the process. I think it's a mistake. You know, it happened. You just don't want to let it happen again. Um, I think the coaches, uh, you know, Mansa was expecting a, a little more from me, so you got to kind of take that out of it. You know, he expects more out of me, and I expect more out of myself, and, you know, the situation is what it is. What do you think? The situation is what it is. He's a young player. Again, I remind you, just because he looks like he's 45 years old doesn't mean he's actually 45. I actually have no problem with players being benched. Where I guess I do have a problem with it is you got to make it consistent. 
And I don't think you should bench him for the should have benched him for the rest of the period. Uh, he didn't play another shift after the Washington Capitals got their game winning goal. That was the one by Nick Dowd. Uh, Bouchard made a weird play, like a sliding play. I don't know really what his options were outside of that. The penalty he took shortly before that, I had a much bigger problem with. So I'm guessing the benching came as a result of multiple conversations and not just one mistake, as much as Twitter likes to think it probably was that way. Right? Maybe. I don't know. I don't really have problems with being benched. I mean, I got benched when I was playing Bantam as a child. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes you make a mistake, and that's how they teach you. That's how they teach you. I guess I don't really find it that big of an issue, provided that it's consistent. I thought Leon Dreisaitl made a horrible mistake on the first Washington goal of the night. I would have sat him for a shift. Not sitting him long term, of course not. But like, hey, Leon, you made a mistake. Ride the pine. You're missing a shift. I don't mind that. Just make it consistent. When Jay Woodcroft was asked about benching benching Bouchard, the word salads came out. Yeah, you know what? I think um, I think you're talking you're talking Bouch there. Yeah, Yeah. I think uh, with Bouch, when that play was made, it was about the last ten minutes or so in the game. I don't know the exact. Yeah, thirteen minutes. Yeah, Um, and uh, you know, at that point, I think what do you finish with? about 16, 17 minutes in the game. I think he was tracking to what a normal game for him would be, if not a little bit more. I think uh, in that that play, it's not on one person. I I didn't think that play's on one person. Um, But saying that, we're trying to win a game in the moment. And, um, you know, I thought we had a few looks as that period went on. Obviously, uh, Holloway made that great play to to Nugent Hopkins. Their goaltender made a save. We had a couple other looks. We didn't get it done last night. And for me, um, balancing, like, those big moments and, and whatnot, I think they're – there's teachable moments and, and growth moments, and that's what you hope for, especially for younger guys, is to learn from those moments and, and get better as you move forward. Learn from the moments, get better as you go forward. That's all Evan Kabouchard can do. Clearly, Jay Woodcroft thought there was an issue, wanted to address it, and he sat him down for the rest of the third period. I don't think it's that big of a deal. But if you look on Twitter, man, you would have thought that Jay Woodcroft killed his cat or something. Like, it's just it's really wild to me. It's, it's, it's really aggressive. But going back to my initial point here that some people are already giving up on Jay Woodcroft, I just, <laughs> I, I don't get it. I don't get it. You're missing effectively one of your best players in Evander Kane. He's out long term. You're missing Ryan McLeod. You missed Zach Hyman on Monday against Washington. Like, how many coaches do we have to go through here before sometimes the players on the ice need to contribute? Do you know that outside of the Oilers top four or five, including Evander Kane, they do not, this team does not have one player on pace for a 15 goal season up front. Darnell Nurse, Tyson Berry, and Evan Bouchard together in aggregate outscore the entire bottom six. Is that a coaching problem? Or do we just need some work? Do we just have some stuff that needs to get handled? Do we just need some guys like our beloved Yesapuli RV, I'm going to talk about in a little bit. Just, they need to feel good about their game, man. Just like I said about Evan Bouchard, watch him score a goal and his season turns around a little bit. And what did he do? He scored against the New York Rangers and all of a sudden he pops three in a matter of two games. We need more guys feeling it. Yamamoto, he was finally back, played his 200th game the other night. We'll get to that in the news. He fits in there. But are we firing Jay Woodcroft? He's got like a 600-something win percentage since taking over from Dave Tippett. Like, 
We've watched enough Oilers hockey over the years to know that it's not always the coach, haven't we? I mean, man, Lord knows we love firing coaches here at Edmonton. That is just kind of our thing. It's always been our thing. But my ask of all of you is to remember the Woody that posed at the benches between the Oilers and Flames bench after that series win. That's the guy we've got. He hasn't forgotten how to coach. Is he going to make perfect choices when half his roster is out and nobody's scoring? No. But man, really, really surprising. But maybe I shouldn't be. I've been around long enough. It's time for the news. Welcome to the news. Let's break down the most recent happenings from around the Edmonton Oilers. Let's chat about it. Let's talk about it. Let's consider. Looking at the schedule first, Oilers 1 and 2 since our last episode of Better Late Than Ever. They lost to Minnesota and that one was ugly. They also lost to Washington on Monday. In between those two losses, they beat Montreal. It wasn't the prettiest win you'll ever see. I'm not saying it was, but you take it. When you're doing win one, lose one, win one, lose one, kind of as the Oilers have been a little bit. They had a win streak sandwiched in there too. You take the wins. So tonight, I'm not going to talk too, too much about tonight's game because the Arizona Coyotes are in town. By the time you're listening to this, either the game is over, it's on. I don't know. Depends how quickly you listen, I suppose. But I'm going to say the Oilers win this 4-2. Where I was surprised about tonight's game is that Jay Woodcroft opted to go back to Stuart Skinner. He started nine of his last 12 games. Don't get me wrong. He was the only reason Monday's loss to the Washington Capitals was a 3-2 loss and not like a 7-2 loss. Stuart Skinner was fantastic. He was the only Oiler I would point at and go, man, you are rock solid in this game. 47 saves, it's got a 9-something save percentage, like 940 or something like that. I don't remember exactly what it was. I'm bad at math. You're rem truck math. But I was a little bit surprised. I thought that playing 9 of his last 12, or 9 of 12, including tonight, I suppose, I thought that this was the opportunity to try and get Jack back in the mix, give him a layup, quote-unquote, game against the Arizona Coyotes. This is their last game of their extended road trip. They've been on the road for like a month. I thought this was the time, but... You want to go with the hot hand? I get that. I guess my worry is I just don't want Stuart Skinner to burn out as we saw with Miko Koskinen. Don't, before you even say it, I know they're two completely different people. Stop. I know that. My concern is I just don't want him to get played into oblivion where he's tired. Remember what happened with Miko? He starts off like a house on fire, but then when he gets overused, he started to slip a little bit. And again, I know they're different people. But what I'm saying is the principle kind of applies, no? You don't really see guys like Martin Broder anymore where they play 70 games or whatever that is. You don't see that anymore. So this is a game I feel like 9 out of 10 times the Edmonton Oilers should win. The Arizona Coyotes are terrible. Although I am expecting Zach Cassian to score against us. Let's just be honest. The former Oilers curse is real and it is a problem. I still think this is a winnable game. I would have put Jack Campbell in. Let him work on his game against a team that he should beat. I mean, I guess you're risking that he loses to the Coyotes and things get worse, but what's the plan now? Do you throw him in against one of these two Minnesota games? We've got Minnesota on Friday, and then for some reason we've got Minnesota again on Monday before doing Nashville on Tuesday. So we've got four games coming up between now and the next episode of Better Late Than Never. I'm really surprised that Campbell didn't get this because I would have gone... Skinner on Monday, as they did. Campbell today, back to Skinner against Minnesota on Friday. I would have done Skinner against Minnesota on Monday. And then 
probably Campbell against Nashville on Tuesday. But we'll have to wait and see. Maybe they're just going to ride Skinner right through until the back-to-backs. I don't know. I also mentioned, uh, changing gears a little bit, I also mentioned Kaylor Yamamoto. He was finally back in the lineup on Monday after missing 11 games due to, uh, Jason Greger said it's due to a concussion. Um, So I was just happy to see him back. But now that he's back, he needs to get going too. He's got zero goals in 14 games. He's only got three assists. That is nowhere near good enough for the guy that we know he is. When he broke into the league in 2019-2020 uh, towards the back half of that season, he was a house on fire. 26 points in 27 games. I don't expect him necessarily to be a point-per-game player, but I absolutely expect him to be better than three assists in 14 games. He's another guy that just he desperately needs a goal desperately needs a goal but once he gets one we know that he's a streaky scorer i wouldn't be surprised whatsoever to see him go on a run of two three four games where he has goals in a row you know i just wouldn't so Kaylor yamamoto congratulations on your 200th game now it's time to get to work and get some goals going Let's go, baby! Another guy that needs to get a goal is Yessa Pugliarvi. This isn't news to anybody, but what is news is the article that Mark Spector wrote over at Sportsnet today. It actually just came out right before I started recording here, so we've got something to look at. Uh, Yessa Pugliarvi is lost. That's the first line of the story. I don't think that is inappropriate. Uh, Pugliarvi spoke to a Finnish journalist named Tommy Sapala at YLE News Agency on Tuesday evening. And some of the quotes are just heartbreaking from Yessa. So I'm just going to read these. 20 games in and I have one goal. It's sad. I've been thinking about a lot how to do things differently. Right now, I just don't have the answer. Of course, I'd like to be a productive top-line player, Pugliarvi said. But right now, it looks like I can't do that in the NHL. Maybe some other league. Like, that's heartbreaking, isn't it? It's just devastating to hear the kid that down on himself because I truly believe in his abilities. I love seeing him mixing it up with physicality. He's a big dude. I like that. And I feel like the way he's playing, the goals are going to come. But man, if there's anybody that needs something good to happen to him right now, especially considering he's played over 100 minutes with Connor McDavid on the first line, like it is absolutely yes. It really is. Um, Going further, I'm trying to find out who I am as a player. Since it looks like I don't fit anywhere here in Edmonton, I've started checking a lot and I lead the team in hits. At least that's some positive. He said, I love the way he's playing right now. Just he's looking meaner for a guy who's like six, four, six, five, whatever he is. He just, he could really make an impact physically. And I like that he's doing that. I feel like if he keeps getting himself engaged, keeps getting to the front of the net, that the goals are going to come. But man, if you hear this guy talk, at least the quotes that Spectre pulled in this article, it sounds like he's never going to score again. On asked about playing with McDavid and being unable to score with him, Pugliarvi said, it takes a lot to play with a superstar like him. You have to win battles and make plays at the same time. It's a high quality game and it takes a good player. You have to be a really good player to play with him. It's hard to tell why I'm not scoring. I've been thinking about it a lot. I scored earlier and I think now I'm older, more experienced and a better player, yet I'm not scoring. If you play with Connor, you have to score. Maybe I just don't have it. That's devastating. Devastating. It's just like... This whole... I didn't mean to push that, but that button, it says junk crash on my soundboard, and that's just kind of what his whole season has been like, hasn't it? He gets all these good chances, he gets all these good looks, and then there's just nothing to go along with it. I don't know what it's going to take, maybe a quick slap, but I... I didn't know that went on that long. Uh, But 
man, I feel for the kid. You can tell he's just devastated about this. And then Ken Holland doesn't make it any, doesn't make things any better when Spectre asked him about it. Uh, Ken Holland's answer is, it's a hard league. That's one of the reasons why I leave young players in the American League as long as possible. Uh, it's not a development league. This is a league where you're judged on what you do and not on potential. So when I hear a player like Yessa say that he's lost his confidence, it's not the first time I've heard that. And I don't really have a solution. That's my response. It's a hard league. Later, Mark Spector asked him about the quotes in the Finnish publication. Uh, said, neither party would speak about what is becoming obvious here, that a fresh start will with a new team would be best for the player. Pugliarvi says, I can't make comments on that right now. Back to Ken Holland. Regarding Pugliarvi's lack of scoring, he's had chances... He was eyeball to eyeball with Igor Shosturkin in New York twice. He hit the post and one got saved. I can't tell you he's had a ton of chances, but he's had some chances, some really good chances. We just need one to go in for him, probably. And, I mean, Ken Holland really didn't help anything there. I got to say, like, that answer was not great from a guy who's the highest paid GM in the NHL and a guy who's been around for a thousand years. Maybe you had asked him about Detroit. He would have probably come up with something more interesting, but... We got to have something like we got to have something go well for yes, Pooley That's why I'm manifesting a goal for the kid tonight. I'm just I'm trying to figure out something. I'm trying to put something out into the universe to try and help this kid out because there is nothing going on that's going good for him right now, except for the physical part of his game. And I hope he can build upon it. Man, I want this workout for Yessa, but it's starting to look like it's just not going to. And that sucks, man. It really does, because when he came back over from Finland, it just it seemed like things started off so well and that he was going to build upon something, and I got super excited about it, and it just never seemed to materialize. And now that he's got one goal in 26 games, and we're talking about a $3 million player, the options are really limited for the Oilers. I mean, if you think about it, if you back up, if you listen, if you look at it from an asset side, do the Oilers want to qualify him for next season at $3.3 million? Probably not. If you don't qualify him at $3.3 million, you could sign him for a lower amount, but why would the player do that? When the option is either I sign a lower offer or I don't get my QO and I could walk away for free, he could pick his spot potentially if there's somebody interested in him next year. The other option is that the Oilers try to trade him for some magic beans. You get the cap space, you get absolutely nothing in return, but you give the kid a fresh start, you open up some space on your books. Like there's really no good options here. For the person, I almost hope that the Oilers trade him um, because it just it's bumming me out. And it's not fair that we need more from a guy being paid $3 million. And it's not fair to Yessa that it just seems like because it's not happening, he's getting piled on and it's just going to compound the issue, you know? So I don't have answers here. Only hypotheses and questions. But uh, it's tough. It really is tough, and I feel for him because this is just not going the way he did. I predicted an 18-goal season for him this year. He's on pace for, like, what, five? <laughs> like, I, I know he's going to get more than that by when it's all said and done, but I don't know if they're going to be here. I don't know if they're going to be here, and that just bums me out. It bums me out. It also bums me out that Mark Spector just... Of course this article about Pugliarvi feeling like he doesn't belong in the NHL comes out from him. Of course it does. And it just seems like he's probably waiting for it. That's just my opinion. I have no idea. I don't know Mark Spector at all, but it just seems like that fits within something that he'd like to write, you know? Bums me out. It really does. In brighter news, 
Let's get back to some positives. Yeah! Jason Greger broke on OilersNation.com that the Heritage Classic is coming back to Edmonton and it'll be going in October of 2023. For the first time in 20 years, the Oilers are going to have the Heritage Classic back in Edmonton. They were the OG ones, if you remember, back November 22nd, 2003 against the Montreal Canadiens. If you think back to that game, it almost didn't happen. Why? Because it was minus 30 that day or minus 25 and the wind chill was probably minus 9,000. We were talking about it with Rick on Oilers Nation Radio yesterday because he was at that game and he was just alarming how cold it was. So getting that out of the way, I cannot wait for this to come back to Edmonton. And mark my words, if this game is not against the Calgary Flames, we riot. Yeah, you could bring Montreal in, or yeah, you could bid Toronto in, but in Alberta, a heritage classic between those two teams after the playoff series we had last year, come on. It's just a win-win. Think about Commonwealth Stadium, packed with people for this outdoor game. A big chunk of them are Flames fans because they either came up from Calgary or they already live here anyway, and they just want to cheer for the Oilers, but they pretend that they're Flames fans. I think it'd be great. I think any team other than the Flames is a downgrade. Toronto would be cool. I don't want a building. I don't want Commonwealth half full of Leafs fans. Montreal would be cool. I don't want a building half full of Habs fans. I don't mind it if there's a bunch of Flames fans in it because it's way more fun. Flames fans, as annoying as they are and as bad as their team is, one thing we can all agree on is it's Alberta versus everyone else. And... I would much rather this opportunity to have the Heritage Classic back, the to have the league's best rivalry as the game that they put on the ice. I don't think that's unfair. I don't think that's unfair at all. So we'll have to wait and see who gets that game, but it has to be the Flames. There is no other option, in my opinion. Has to be the Flames. In other news, our boy Reed Schaefer. Ginger Beef, he was named to the World Juniors roster for Team Canada at the tournament that's coming up in Halifax over the Christmas break. The kid is on just an absolute heater, you know what? Reed Schaefer, not a lot of us knew a whole bunch about him before he got drafted this past season, but since he's gone back to Seattle, the kid has just had an absolute stud of a start to his season. Picked up 32nd overall at the 2022 entry draft. Reed Schaefer went back to the Seattle Thunderbirds, where in 22 games... He's got 15 goals already, 12 assists for 27 points. The kid is on fire. And more importantly, he's local and he loves all of our Instagram posts about him. I know that you're watching them, Reed Schaefer. You may even be listening to this podcast right now. In case you are, hello, Reed. Congratulations on being named to Team Canada. Congratulations on your season with the Seattle Thunderbirds. Thunderbirds. Congratulations on being so handsome in general. You know, of course. Of course. Uh, Looking ahead at tonight's game against the Arizona Coyotes, I'm just happy that Zach Hyman is back in the lineup. He was sick on Monday. I was worried it had to do something with Joel Edmondson Edmondson cross-checking him in the head against Montreal on Saturday. Just a dirty, gross play. I was worried that's what kept Hyman out on Monday, but turns out he was just a little sick, so he's back in tonight. That just makes me happy. But in the rumor department... 
Things are starting to get spicy around here, as Darren Drager said on Insider Trading last night that the Edmonton Oilers have kicked tires, or at least checked in on what it would take to get Eric Carlson out of San Jose. Today on Oilers Nation, every day, Frank Saravalli joined Tyler Yeremchuk, and he said the deal would be Pooley RV plus to get Carlson retained at 50%. The math doesn't work there. You would need to throw something else in there, obviously, because then he comes in around 5.75. But man, I do that deal all day, even though Frank says it's unlikely. In other rumor news surrounding the Edmonton Oilers, Kevin Weeks says the Oilers have also shown interest in Max Domi. I think he would be a great add on the wing here. He's been an Oilers killer since he came into this league. I love his story. I'll never forget him one-punching Ryan Kessler. I would love to have Max Domi on this team. And who knows whether or not it happens. But we're getting into rumor season, and that's always the best. The best, the best, and I can't wait to see what happens. Probably nothing, but we'll see. That's how we're wrapping up the news. Wait a minute. Push the button, I say. That's how we're wrapping up the news. The news is brought to you by me. You want to sponsor the podcast? You can. I got open space. Hit me up, bagmilkatoilersnation.com. I'll make you a deal. Cheap, cheap for you. Friends and family discount. How about that? Uh, Looking at our friends at Betway. I have not been doing well betting on the Oilers recently. I'm just going to go ahead and admit it. It's like when they are spinning their tires the way they are, betting on this team is nearly impossible. So I've been going extra light on my bets. But what has been hitting for me, and I encourage you to bet on this as well, if you're a better, bet responsibly, of course. Over one and a half power play goals. Tonight I got it at minus 105 against the Coyotes. Either the Oilers are going to score two on their own against the Coyotes, or their PK is so bad that the other team generally gets one as well. This has basically been free money in my jeans right now, and I'm going to keep hitting it until it stops. So if you go to Betway, just check that out. Again, bet responsibly, provided that you are of legal age. But man, I'm telling you, over one and a half power play goals is free money right now. Uh, Looking at other bets that I liked uh, last week against Minnesota Wild, I feel like part of that loss was my fault. I just want to go ahead and admit it. I bet on Leon Dreisaitl and Carol Kaprasov to both score in that game, and they did. So I just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I know that game was a few days ago, and I know that is not really my fault, but ultimately I feel responsible. I just do. I just do. You're listening to Better Late Never with bagged milk on your usual podcast scenario. What I would suggest is you like, subscribe. Hey, guess what? Leave a review. Otherwise, the puppy gets it. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, look at my waiting room. I see Nick Alberga waiting for me. Nick, hello? 
for our friends at Trilogy Oil Field Rentals. Very pleased to welcome Nick Alberga from the Leafs Nation Daily Faceoff, and it's seemingly every other outlet you can weasel your way into, my friend. How do you find the time in the day, Nick, to do not only Leafs Morning Take every day at Leafs Nation, you're writing a Daily Faceoff. I see you posting about the mailbag today. You do. Uh, you got the fantasy podcast still. How do you find the time of the day? Life's a grind, my dude, and it's uh, great to be with you, but um, I think it's a line. My vocation is my vacation. My vacation is my vocation. It was yeah. uh, something my new media teacher told me about like 12 years ago in broadcast school, and I think once I lose my passion, I'll be no longer in this industry. That's the way I would best describe my answer for that question. I love what I do. Well, that's kind of what I wanted to ask you about to start off because you joined the Nation Network in October, helping us build something at Leafs Nation. So as soon as I started following you on Twitter, the golden muzzy, by the way, (laughs) you're just always watching hockey. It doesn't matter what time of the day. It doesn't really matter what game it seems like. Where did the love of the game come from for you? Yeah, so I get this question quite a bit. Um, Pretty much, I think my involvement in betting and also like the fantasy point of view, as you referenced, NHL Fantasy on Ice is the podcast I work with uh, alongside Pete Jensen with the NHL platform. I feel sort of this sense of need to be on top of everything that's happening, you know, whether it's like a Nathan McKinnon injury, you know, whether it's Stuart Skinner starting another game for the Edmonton Oilers, like you need to know these things. And I'm just the type of person that if I don't know or if I feel lost, then I'm just not the same broadcaster and I can't broadcast with the same type of confidence. So that led me down a road years ago when I joined NHL Network Radio about like 12 years ago when I started out of school that I made that commitment to watching hockey and, and covering the NHL. And I think anybody who covers this league, even if you cover one team, it's a, it's a 365 type thing 24-7. I think if you're... If you're doing it part-time, it's just not going to be as effective as a full-time scope. So, And on top of that, I just enjoy it. Um, It's been one of my things that I just love watching hockey from a very, very young age. In fact, I remember the days growing up uh, in Montreal until I was the age of five. My grandfather used to take me to arenas to watch random games. And uh, it's funny how it worked out. One of the arenas is Marty Berdur Arena. The other is Roberto Luongo Arena all these years later. That's amazing. Um Again, watching games all day. Is there is there anybody right now that you're looking at in the NHL that you just kind of go, man, this team's fun to watch? Like, no allegiance to them necessarily, but just, man, they're fun to watch. It's a good question. I, I like offense. Uh, the Seattle Kraken have stunned me so far this season. What is going on in Seattle? <laughs> well, dude, they're coming back to reality a bit. Uh, Martin Jones is surrendering goals left and right, so look out for that. Um, I, I, I think they're pretty much Vegas from year one. That's just, I feel I have with them, but like to answer your question, I love offense, love watching Tampa, pretty much any guy I own in fantasy hockey. That's who I'm watching on a routine basis. So like a lot of Cole Caulfield, a lot of Andre Vasilevsky, a lot of Kucherov. Uh, I love Brad Marchand, believe it or not. I cover the Leafs and I was a Leafs fan growing up, but Brad Marchand is one of my favorite players. So I love watching him, but in general, like I'll probably tune into any game. Like you're so bang on and the one thing you should know about me, I despise football. So Sundays is one. I, yes, Sundays are are the days that I am just a, a wreck if there's no hockey. Like it's just the worst day in the world for me. Well, even here. So obviously, I covered the Oilers. It's yeah. interesting that Edmonton only has two Sunday games all season. They just kind of 
not competing with the NFL. To me, I use Sundays as my day to just chill, decompress, generally check out. So it's hilarious that there's the one day a week, there's not really that many games. You're like, oh, this is the worst. It's a nightmare. Yeah, it's it's my chill day. Like I play beer league hockey on Sunday, but a chill day for me is still watching like two games. Like I still feel an obligation to come home. And more times than not, it's Anaheim playing at eight Eastern time on Sunday night. So I watch those games for many who know me. I'm, I'm buddies with Adam Henrique on the Ducks. So I like watching him, checking him out, um, seeing what the Ducks are up to. And I think I'm fortunate enough being in the Eastern time zone where I am able to get, sort of get both sides of the spectrum. Like I love the fact that I have an early game and then the late game and multiple late games to watch at that. And then Seattle comes in the league, Vegas comes in. So it just adds more viewing for me. I love it. Because when you were doing a show on Sirius XM, you had to be up at like two, three, four in the morning, right? To wrap up the West, the West Coast games. Yeah. Yeah. Ice cap, ice cap. That was one of my babies. What do you make of it? Like, so we have plenty of times where people kind of reach out and kind of say, I'd love to cover the Oilers or the Canucks or the Leafs or the Flames or whatever. It doesn't matter who it is. But then you kind of go, okay, well, are you cool with the evenings and weekend aspect that come no. with covering sports? And it goes, oh, well, I hadn't really considered that. But yeah. that is the job, isn't it? Exactly it, right? And uh, they, they, you know, full credit to them in, in broadcasting school and sports broadcasting school. Like, they tell you this right away. And I think they're so right. Like, if you think this is your prototypical nine-to-five job, you are sadly mistaken. And I think you and I both know that being in this industry the way we have for a long period of time. Uh, and, and that's why I think heart and commitment are involved in the conversation. Like, if you're not feeling it, it's not the industry for you. And I think you're so right. Like, the majority of sports happens at night. So that's when you have to be available. And if, I think if it coincides with your Friday night, Friday night out getting tanked, then it's just not going to work. Right. Yeah, exactly. Did you have the dream like me where you were going to play in the show, realized it wasn't going to happen. Then all of a sudden you're like, ah, I want to cover hockey somehow. I got to pivot here. So believe it or not, and, and, and not many people know this about me and I can't stand the people on social media say, stay in your lane. Baseball was actually my number one sport and my number really? one love. And I was actually good at baseball. Well, good in quotations. I played like travel league baseball, uh, you know, had a had a potential, had the opportunity of maybe looking at some scholarships, but didn't go that direction. Like you have to be really, really good in Canada to get even a sniff from the state from the States. So you yeah, like it's the one thing people don't know about me is like baseball is actually like my number one sport, but it's morphed into hockey just over the years growing up. I had tons of buddies who played really good hockey, a couple guys in the show, you know, some in the A, some in the OHL, like junior hockey. So it was always sort of a big upbringing for me. And as I added earlier, like I, I was just one of those kids who loved watching sports. Like I used to yeah. go to the park like every weekend and watch baseball and, and watch, you know, like the, the older kids play and like try to fine tune my game after them. I watched a lot of hockey. So like viewership was really, really big for me. I just never really had it in hockey. Like I will add, I have really, really good hands, but I have just no jets whatsoever. Like I'm not great in hockey, but I played like the garage league or house league as we call sure. it here yep. where I had a good time. I got my points, but I was never at that level where I was playing rep. Since you're, uh, since you love baseball and I got to ask you, Aaron judge monster contract with the Yankees today. Turns out it works out to $109,589 per day over the course of the next decade. What do you make of these monster contracts in baseball? Like even you got a reliever or a pitcher making Connor McDavid money and it doesn't make any sense. Well, it's, it's, it's all about revenue stream, right? Like, and the amount of money they're pulling in on these TV deals, like the NBA is great too. And I understand the teams are much smaller, but like the 12th man is making like 10 million bucks. Like it makes yeah. no sense to me. And then you're right. Like you look at the NHL, but 
again, you just talk about how much money each league is making. It's not even close when you compare, you know, the, the big four, if you will. Um, as for Aaron Judge, like I always felt like he was going to resign with the New York Yankees. I understand there were the ties to the San Francisco Giants and the money would look good on paper. And obviously the, the comparables to like a Barry Bonds, but hitting in that ballpark is a lot different than Yankee Stadium. When you have yeah. that short porch and you have that small field in general, as opposed to McCovey's Cove and, uh, you know, the, the park in San Fran and like optically it's beautiful, but it's tough to hit in that park. Like, why do you think every pitcher goes to San Francisco and why do you think they win a lot is <laughs> because it's so hard to hit there, especially in this era. So I think he made the right decision and uh, talk about betting on yourself, right? Like he turned away. What was it like 240 last year or around yeah. there? And now he gets 360. So he made the right decision. It was an unbelievable year for him. I actually got to go to, um, I just started getting into baseball more, yeah. just really diving in this past season. We've got Blue Jays Nation as part of the Nation Network, so our boy Coombsy runs that one over there. And so I just decided I was going to get into it as watch as many Jays games as I possibly could. I got to go out to a cup, uh, a handful of MLB games this year. It's just, it's a completely different vibe, isn't it, watching live baseball than it is watching live hockey? Yeah, you you won't believe this, but I actually preferred going back like 15 years ago. I think baseball is so fucking boring. Can I swear on this, by the way? Of course. I, yeah, good. I, I think it's so boring now. Like Why? analytics has taken over the sport. It's disgusting. Like it's not the game I grew up with in terms of it's either a home run or a strikeout. I rarely see a double. I rarely see a triple. Maybe I'm old school. I love the bunting game. Like the NL takes out and now they have the the, the DH in both, both, uh, both leagues. Like... It's just optically a different game where now I go to a baseball game and I my priority is like, where do I get the beer and how many beers can I drink and how much yes. money can I spend in, in nine innings? That that That's normally what it comes down to. I guess it depends on the opponents. Uh, it, it, it depends on the time of year, but it's really, really bizarre. But in the last couple of years, I've been watching less and less baseball. I know I just mentioned it's my number one passion, my number one love. Um, I think if I were to pick a team, it would be the Blue Jays. Uh, they've hurt me so many times before. They'll continue to do so. Yep. And I had a, a, a soft spot in my heart as well for the New York Yankees, if you can believe it. I talked about my love for Brad Marchand. I make no sense with divisions, but the Yankees <laughs> are in the Jays divisions. But growing up, I loved Derek Jeter. I loved Robinson Cano before he cheated. So I hate him now. Uh, but there's just select players that I've been attached to for many, many years, uh, I guess, Mark McGuire included. And and that's just the way I roll. You talk about analytics, taking over baseball, same kind of approach happening at maybe on a lesser scale in hockey. Yeah. What is your take on the advanced analytics and just kind of there's a big here in Edmonton, there's a, a big, passionate analytics community covering the Oilers. And sometimes I'm a guy that likes the numbers, but I like to watch the game and then I go to look at the numbers to see if my eyeballs were telling me the truth or not. Yeah, I don't kind of put all or nothing into either side of the debate. Yeah. Where are you at with analytics and hockey? I totally agree. Like, I, I think it is a tool and I've pulled a lot of coaches and players in the league and, you know, predominantly most of them feel the same way. I just, I... I never understood why it's like a defense, you know, tactic when you try to question analytics or question something that's working. Like, I do think it's a tool, but like, for example, a team I cover in the Toronto Maple Leafs have been analytics heavy for years. Granted, every team has analytics or some sense of analytics and sort of their scheme and their strategy moving forward. But I mean, it's quite clear that the Leafs are unable to get over the top and win a playoff series. It's been nearly two decades, if you can believe it. And I just think it's a tool 
in in taking that team to the next level. If it's everything, then you're going to pretty much end up like the Arizona Coyotes did the last couple of years, right? Where it's like, no, nah, you're the same terrible team. Um, so I, I do think there's a place for it. Obviously, it's going nowhere, but I think it can't be everything because, in my opinion, you can't you can't quantify like heart. You know, you can't quantify no, you can't. like urgency. You can't quantify that compete level. Like I, I always like to compare it to like my days playing baseball. There was some meaningful games and big games where I would get up to the box and I would be shaking. Like you, yep. I could be a 400 hitter. I can rip during the regular season. It gets to a big time moment. There is no way to quantify that in the analytical world, in my opinion. You can't. And I completely agree with you as an example here in Edmonton. Uh, you can't put in a spreadsheet if a guy's gripping the stick, right? If he's not feeling his game, if he's not feeling mm-hmm. as confident as he should be. As an example here at Edmonton, Evan Bouchard was having a really rough stretch. And then all of a sudden he gets his first goal of the year, pops three real quick. You can't put that in a spreadsheet. Sometimes you're just feeling it, you know? Evan Bouchard from Oakville, Ontario, where I grew up. Did you? Mm-hmm. Well, then I need to ask you about growing up in Ontario, covering the Leafs, working for Leafs Nation. Yeah. Leafs morning take is your daily show that you've got at TLN. What is it like covering hockey in that market? And the reason I ask is because I'm in Edmonton. No matter what game you're watching, you're always going to get a Leafs angle in that show. And it makes sense. They've got the biggest fan base. It's the, you know, it's the most valuable franchise. It all makes sense to me, logically. But what's it like for you in the market, trying to make a little bit of noise, trying to carve out a niche for yourself? The sky's falling every day. It's it's honestly tiresome. And as you know, I I, I used to be the Leafs radio host for a couple of seasons um, on Sportsnet 5.9 of the fan. So I was covering it alongside Gord Stellick. And that's a corporate world. So I had to be very, very careful how I handled every situation with, with kid gloves. Like it's a... It was a different perspective, but it really, really puts you behind the scenes of what's truly transpiring. And I think the positive thing, I was on the Amazon series. I don't know if you caught that Amazon Prime series a couple of years ago. My voice was scattered all around it. I haven't. I haven't. Honestly, I haven't watched it yet, but that yeah. I'm going to now. Because yeah. again, I was tweeting at you the other day. I'm yeah. looking for you in the GIF bank. I don't know. I can't find you in there. You've just got a whole hard drive of the stored <laughs> somewhere with a perfect reaction of yourself to any tweet that comes your way yeah some people like it some people do not um yeah there is definitely a bank of gifts set up somewhere <laughs> gif or gif whatever you want to call whatever, it, it um matter. to answer your question yeah covering the leafs like it's fascinating but i think very similar to edmonton excuse me um you know there's something different to talk about every day and i think yep. it's one of the very select markets where it's it's common talk to talk about like the fourth line or to talk about zach aston reese to talk about the third string netminder where if you go to like a Florida or something, you'll never get that conversation. Yep. But to that point, there was always that urge, that need to get that convo. But yeah, like that's, that's my takeaway is that every day is different. And depending on how the team did the night before, that's sort of the response you're going to get. Talk to me about the transition. You talked about doing some stuff for Fan 590, Sportsnet, Corporate World. You've moved over. You've joined the yeah. pirate ship is one of the first conversations we had is said, welcome to the pirate ship because we're just trying to do something a little bit different. From your perspective, what's it been like so far kind of making the transition where it's not so, uh, your lane is a lot more, it's a lot wider and it's a lot more fluid. You're allowed to try ideas. You're allowed yeah. to say fuck on a podcast if you want to. Love it. What's it been like for you so far? I've uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, for anything, anybody who's known me throughout my career, I'm not afraid to give my opinion. And I think you know that following me on social media as well. Yep. That's just something that 
I understand like there are a lot of broadcasters out there that are going to take the high road. They're not going to give you much, but I've always prided myself on being that person who's going to give you an honest take, an honest opinion, and maybe go over the top a couple of times. That's just the way I've broadcasted. So I think from the get go, while it's worked in some places, it hasn't worked in others. It's, you know, this one, it's going to work because uh, I have free reign to pretty much express my feelings without, you know, looking over my shoulder to say, Hey, get a phone call, take down that blue Jays tweet. Like I had an, you know, example of that a couple of years ago where I tweeted, uh, you know, I hate the Houston Astros with a passion. Like, don't get me wrong. George fucking Springer can get bent. Like, I know he's a Blue Jay. He's great. <laughs> Doesn't know how to catch a fly ball. But they cheated. <laughs> I mean, it, it killed the integrity of the sport. And that's, you know, my thing. So I think it was a couple of years back. There was like a funny gif and I caught it watching it on TV. So I made a gif out of it. It was George Springer. Uh, drawing in the sand, showing like Teoscar Hernandez, like a play or something or a route or something. And then I tweeted out, I'm like, here's George Springer uh, showing Teoscar Hernandez how he cheated in Houston. And then like literally <laughs> two minutes later, I get a phone call. They're like, yes, yeah, somebody at the Jays saw that. Somebody at Rogers saw that. You're going to have to take it down. And I understand, but I'm also like, hey, it's actually factual. They fucking cheated and they were caught for cheating and nobody gave a fuck about them cheating. Yeah. So it's just shit like that. Like, and again, like, it's not like I'm going to go too over the top and say like egregious things, but I just love the fact that I can just state my opinion and for better or for worse, if you don't like it, because that's the one thing, like people on social media always so harsh and so, you know, hard on me sometimes, but it's like, Hey, this is a platform to give my opinion. It's, yes. we don't always have to agree. Like I can't stand those conversations where everybody's like, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. It just, it doesn't flow as well, you know? And it's boring. Yeah. And to me, like all, that one is, it's interesting that you were asked to delete it. Cause to me, the way I look at a tweet like that is it's a very obvious joke. Also, yeah. it's like yeah. you're pointing something out, but you're also making a joke. Yeah. Yeah. I want to go back to talking about the Leafs for a second, because yeah. as you know, our boy Jack Campbell signed in Edmonton at five by five this off season. I think in Edmonton, there was excitement about the deal about having Jack come to town. We all know the quality of person that he is. There's no doubt about that. We also knew there was going to be some inconsistencies in his game, but I don't think anybody probably would have expected him to start out his career as an oiler around an 850 goaltender. It's been a train wreck, and I always like to resort back. This guy walks his cat. Can you have, like, I don't know. I'm sorry to say it, but can you put any (laughs) faith in your team and a guy who walks his fucking cat? Man, I cannot get over that for the life of me. Maybe it's different because we're both dog owners, but like that was my major takeaway last year. I saw it on Instagram and I think it was during the pandemic. This guy was walking his cat. Maybe he was bored. So you got to give him the benefit of the doubt. Look, I think he's a good goalie, but I wonder about the mental fortitude. Like, I can't stand the act and it's just not him. Every goalie does it now in 2022. They come out. I was shit. The old Markstrom, right? Markstrom did that last week. I suck at hockey. I can't stand that. Just go out there, make a fucking save. If you can't just be like, I need to be better. That's it. You don't have to say anything, but every game Campbell lets in a goal. It's like he enters every game, not thinking he's going to surrender a goal. If you're a goalie and you feel that way, you shouldn't be playing the position. I'm sorry. Cause it's going to happen every game. And I think you have to have such resolve in that position where somebody scores, you move right on. And unfortunately, and the guy's just human. He dwells on it and it spirals out of control and out of control. So he lets one, he lets two, he lets three and he loses his confidence. And granted, again, humanizing the situation, this happens to the best of us. But I just wonder long term, is he, if does he have the fortitude to get over that, you know, tough goal to surrender in the Stanley Cup playoffs? Like, I think they're going to make it. Obviously, you have McDavid. 
you have dry settle, but can he get over that in the playoffs is my question. Cause that was my takeaway from the postseason. Like he, he was fine with the Leafs, but he just has these blocks where he can't stop a puck and it really gets to his head. Well, that was an, it's, it's interesting. You mentioned that because, you know, I grew up with goalies in the nineties, right? Yeah. And even here, the last four years with Mike Smith, Mike Smith wasn't perfect by any means, but what I did appreciate about him is that is the defiance in his personality where he would have a bad game and somebody would ask him about a bad game. And he would basically look at them, stare them down and be like, fuck you. I got them next time. Yeah. I kind of miss that. There's a little bit of swagger, you know? Oh, they're pansies now, dude. Like it's, it's a catered league. Um, it, you know, it's just a lot different. I think you're so right. Like there was the moxie, there was a the confidence and, and to a degree, I think you still see it with like Vasilevsky or Shesterkin, but I think it just shows you when teams get their hands on like these bona fide studs, like an Ottinger or an Hellebuck, they're not going to give them up. And, yep. you know, Toronto's had this issue for years. So has the Edmonton Oilers finding that guy who's going to be your goalie for the next 15 years is next to impossible to find unless you hit that jewel, you know, a Tuka Rask who ends up with the Boston Bruins, right? Like it's just so hard to find that it's like baseball. It's so hard to find that ace pitcher. Who's going to be your, your ace for 20 years. A la doc holiday. It just, it just doesn't happen that way. And I think Edmonton is finding that out right now. What else do you think about the Edmonton Oilers? Just kind of as an outsider, I know you watch games. Yeah. I've seen you tweeting about the Oilers. What do you see yeah. from them as kind of you're watching this team struggle is not maybe yeah. the word, but kind of spin their tires through the first quarter of the season. Yeah, truthfully, I think they're really, really good. Like, I put them right there with the Calgary Flames, albeit I was really, really wrong on the Vegas Golden Knights. I thought they were awful. I thought their goaltending was shit, and I thought I they were going to miss the playoffs. So Bruce Cassidy just shows you how good of a coach Bruce Cassidy is. I actually think Edmonton's close to winning something here, man. Like, I just think you look at that roster, fully healthy. Love the Evander Kane pickup. We assume he's going to come back. He's already skating. I would love to see him play with one hand, as you put out on, on Twitter last week. I Please. would love to see that. Why I not? would, too. Yep. Love the Hyman pickup. Um, I think the glaring holes are on the back end, right? Like it's, they need like not one, but probably two defensemen. And then now they're just in trouble because, you know, you, you pay all this money to Campbell and he can't make a save and Stuart Skinner's your guy. But I think ultimately it's important to remember that it's a long season. It's an 82 game slate. There's going to be ups, there's going to be downs. And if you're to ask me when I'd want, you know, Campbell to play this way, it's probably in the first half of the season. So I, I'd give him the benefit of the doubt. I think the one thing I always like to do too, when guys sign new contracts, go to new teams with new lofty expectations, like humanize the situation. I, yes. I always like to bring up like Joe Pavelski, right? Like he played all those years with San Jose, goes to Dallas. And I remember because I owned him in fantasy, he was dreadful for like 50 games. The last 30 games, he started to cook in a big time way. So I'm going to give Campbell some time here. And I actually think Edmonton is better than most people think they are. Well, I appreciate that. That makes me feel better. You're welcome. You know? Thank you, yeah. buddy. You're welcome. Uh, you mentioned us both being dog people. And that was one of the interesting things I learned about you early on was that you also have a Boston. Uh, I have mine named Frank. He does Frank's picks. He's a degenerate gambler. He is <laughs> not having a great season. Last year, he went 53 and 29 or something crazy like that. What is it about Boston's for you, man? Yeah, it sounds like you need a replacement Boston, right? Uh, yeah. No, yeah, no, never yeah. can replace Below Frank. replacement. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I have a Boston Frenchie mix. Her name is Lily. In fact, she lives with my parents. I bought her but kept her at home. It was one of those things where it was yeah. like they fell too much in love with her. So I'm like, you keep her, but I'll come see her whenever I want. You do all the work. You pay all the money. So it's, sure. it's fantastic. Um, 
I don't know, man. I just love her enthusiasm. I love the emotion. It's like having a human being like mine wears her heart on her sleeve. Like, you know, you have to be so careful how you treat her because she's so sensitive. And if you like scold her, like tell her off, she goes and hide in the corner. Like it's, it's like having another human. And then (laughs) on top of they're, on top of that, they're just really, really affectionate dogs. Um, I, I would add anybody listening, like they do have a lot of issues, so be weary of that. But they're amazing. They're they're absolutely amazing, aren't they? It's funny you say that because if there's an Oilers game on, I don't know if it's just the sound of Jack Michael's voice or whatever <laughs> it is. Frank will get up sometimes and leave the room legit because he knows I'm going to start yelling at the TV sooner or later. Yeah, it's just yeah. it's as sure as the sun will come up tomorrow. I'm going to be screaming at the Oilers for some reason. It's so funny you say that. Yeah. Uh, also, my dog is a degenerate gambler, as I mentioned. I know you like to you like to gamble a little bit, put a couple of shekels down here and there. Mm-hmm. For a guy that watches as much hockey as you, do you can you enjoy a game without putting a couple of dollars down on it, or are you like Ty, our boy Tyler Uremchuk? If yeah. Tyler Uremchuk is watching a Sabers at Hurricanes game on a Wednesday. I know for a fact that he has got some kind of money line bet there. He's got a shot prop there. Uh, can you watch the game without a bet or is it just kind of part of your your routine now? I would say it's changed a lot. Like I always think the worst time in the seasons, like the last three weeks before the playoffs, because A, I'm usually done in my fantasy leagues. And that's the big thing for me. I watch the majority of games because of fantasy hockey, not so much betting, but there is, it is betting because there is money on the line and I'm in four different leagues and I do that for a living, as you know. But I think for the most part, if specifically if I have money on a game like the Islanders in Buffalo, you know, rest assured, I am, you know, I have some money in there. Um, I think we just gotten to a level where, where money, you know, is about everything and it revolves around everything. And so, uh, you know, that's probably the best way I would phrase it. If I don't have any money, it's unlikely I'm watching. Having said that, like even last night, the Leafs are playing, but I had my IMAX set up with four other games, just seeing what was going on. But again, <laughs> that's just more so on fantasy hockey, you know? So what kind of bets do you like to look at? Are you like a prop bet guy or are you like a money line guy for me as an example? Yeah, Uh, I bet on the Oilers. And for me, my absolute locks right now, because first of all, the Oilers power play is very, very good. And their PK is atrocious. Going over one and a half power play goals in a game is basically a lock these days. And while the odds aren't as juicy as maybe you want, I'm always going to take them free payouts, baby. I like it. I like it. I like the Oilers puck line tonight against Arizona. Famous last words because Zona's played everybody well this season. Um, (laughs) Yes, that's a good question. Like, you know, I should preface by saying I think it's really, really hard to bet on hockey. And as you mentioned, it like it's I watch a lot of hockey and still like I have mixed reviews of my betting. I, I like to be careful the way I disperse money. And thankfully, I'm somebody who takes money in such regard that I'm so careful. My units like my unit bets are like two bucks. Like it's Me ridiculous. Too. Me like, too. Even even last night, uh, I was horny about Shane Wright scoring against Montreal. We all knew it was coming. Plus, plus 500. I put two bucks down and win 10 bucks. But it's more so the thrill of winning for me yeah. as opposed to actually gambling money, right? Me too. It's 100%. My units can be uh, anywhere from a dollar, two dollars. Yeah. I just, I just, just a little sprinkle out there, you know? It just, yeah, yeah. It gives you something to, like, I love cheering for the total shots in a game yeah whereas you're yeah. doing the math in your head as the third period is winding down you're like oh i yeah. need three more shots i don't care who gets them just give them to me I yeah it's that. like it just adds a little like, little flavor yeah it's like the over under in, in the nba like i'll just take over 140 sometimes and just hope there's no defense which you get a lot in the nba um to answer your question you know 
It depends on the time of year. Like early on in the season, I love the overs because teams are relatively loose. Then sort of they adapt and evolve. The numbers change. Uh, the last couple of years, I've really been into shot props. Like Zach Hyman's been a guy. I've gone to that well quite a bit this season. Yep. Evander Kane when he's healthy. Like there's there's specific guys you can find it until they juice the price too much where it doesn't. it's not even worth your time. And then quite frankly, there are, there are moments in time, the last couple of weeks specifically, where I just lay back and chill and, and wait for the right plays. Um, so it all depends on the time of year, but more times than not, um, I think I have more of a background um, in the fantasy perspective. So maybe like assists or goals, like I'll look that that avenue or shots on goal as opposed to like team sides and stuff like that. Last night, Shane Wright, goal against the Montreal Canadiens. Great story. There's just... There's so many layers to it going back to last summer's draft. What, in your opinion, is the least reported story right now in the NHL? One thing for me that I don't think enough people is talking about, again, the Coyotes are in Edmonton tonight. They've been gone for like a month because (laughs) of the weird arena situation they've got. And I don't think enough people are talking about just how odd that is. What's something that sticks out for you right now? Um, top of my head, because I play fantasy, Josh Morrissey's averaging over a point per game with, with Winnipeg, Rick bonus, Rick bonus has done an impeccable job there. Um, Johnny Goodrow and and Columbus and the turmoil there with all the injuries. Like, I think even to an extent, if you can believe a Jason Robertson, like the run he's been on, I've been pimping this guy for two years and all of a sudden gets a point streak. And now it's like a huge conversation. Like the guy scores every game. Uh, just trying to think too, like. Yeah, like Seattle's a big-time story. It's not going to get much play in Canada, but like they're winning game after game after game, and we'll see if it's sustainable. But yeah, like Josh Morrissey's the guy that really, really sticks out for me outside, of course, of New Jersey, but they're getting a lot of play right now too. I also want to ask you uh, about your approach to interviewing players. We moved this podcast interview just a little bit earlier than we were supposed to (laughs) because you had something bigger to deal with. Um, Yeah. What is your approach to talking to NHL players? Like when you get somebody on the phone or in the room or you got a mic in their face, what are you most looking for in that conversation? I like to be relatable. Um, And it's one of the things I've really, really enjoyed over the years is doing interviews with players. Like I did one with John Tavares, like a day after he signed with the Maple Leafs after leaving the New York Islanders. Like I, I want to get in the player's head. I want to be relatable. The fact that I'm around their age and maybe not so much anymore now at the ripe age of 33, but like, I want to know things that, you know, you wouldn't find out on a common, you know, basis. Like, I don't give a shit what you thought of the game. What'd you think of the four check? <laughs> like, I don't know. Like it's, it's outside the box type shit. And maybe it's just me. It's like, you know, where do you go out for dinner? What cities do you like hitting up? What, who has the best nightlife? Uh, who's the craziest celebrity you've met? Like shit like that, that you wouldn't commonly hear. I think, you know, I just like to be relatable in the conversation and sort of have them steer where it goes. And I honestly think the biggest thing in any interview ever is just like listening. I think more times than not, and I've been victim of it too. I have questions in mind for an interview and I stick to that. Whereas I think you'll get your best answers and your best interviews when you actually listen to what the person says and then respond accordingly. So I've learned to do that a bit more over the last couple of years, but as you know, I'm the type of person who puts a lot of pressure on myself and I want to continue to evolve and get better and better and better. So I like to go back and look at my work and say, Hey, I could have done this differently. Like it's always evolving when it comes to interviews. I appreciate interviews like that because like you said, it is something different. Like I don't care about pucks in deep. Like we're going to hear that a million times on broadcasts or whatever. Do you think the NHL just legitimately needs to do a better job of getting the personality out of their players? I I think about 
you know, some of the big personalities in the NFL or in basketball. And maybe that's not what the team wants when some of the guys say what just is on their sleeve. But the NHL is just can be so boring, don't you think? Yes, uh, I I love the the NBA for that. I love the NFL, the NBA specifically. It's like a fucking soap opera every day, man. Like in in uh, I watch basketball too. Like especially in the off season, it's like oh LeBron's gonna wake up today. He's got you know he's got an issue with his thumb and he wants a trade. Like there's always something new. Where in the NHL, you don't really hear much. And I think you have to give full credit to the great podcasts like Missing Curfew and Spitting Chicklets, and obviously what we have uh, under our umbrella too that. It gives, you know, the other perspective and the other side of things. Like, I think there's a need for both. It's like the analytics conversation. Like, there are people who's going to like it. People are not going to like it. But I think we have to continue to do a better job of untapping those personalities. And I just think the NHL is a bit behind in the way we navigate that world. But I think we'll get to that point. And I just think the personalities are not the same. Like, you you cover Connor McDavid. Uh, I won't lie. I've interviewed him a couple times. It was the worst experience of my life. Did I want to interview him? No, but it's Connor McDavid. He's one of the best players on the planet. I tried my best. I remember this interview a couple of years ago. I was at Biosteel Camp in Toronto. You know me. Like, I'm a fun-loving person. I love to have fun. I was like, so, what, what, you know, what kind of extracurriculars did you get up to in, in Amsterdam? I think he was in Amsterdam and just gave yeah. me nothing. We all know what happens in Amsterdam. We all know what he was probably doing in Amsterdam, but these guys are so trained from a young age. Yes. And I grew up with it too, you know, growing up with a lot of hockey players who were drafted. They were so trained. Um, they knew what to say at all times where the NBA, the NFL, other leagues, like they just off the cuff all the time. And yep. so, I wonder if it's a systemic thing that down below they're so trained that it just it's equipped in their brain and that's all they can think about. Because when I listen to McDavid talk, like how many times is he actually given a worthwhile quote? He's just so trained and he's so good at it, right? Oh yeah, it's I call it the role the McDavid Rolodex. Like he just pulls out answer A through nothing Z, but the what, hits, whatever yeah. whatever you need. That's why I always think here in Edmonton, if you want an interview that's legitimately interesting, you don't go to Connor McDavid. You don't go to Ryan Nugent Hopkins. You always go to Leon Dreisaitl because he's the one that is the most likely to say anything interesting. The yeah. fucking phenomenal quote for the fans. Uh, when him and Jim Matheson were going back and it turns into, why are you so pissy? Like that kind yeah. of thing. I love it. I yeah. Maybe it's my love of wrestling from when I was a little kid, but yeah. you know that heel kind of vibe? vibe. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I love that too. Like, uh, you know, it's unfortunate, like PK Subban's no longer in the league, but he's going to be doing work with ESPN, as we know. Like, we're always looking for those quotes. I don't know about you. When I'm sifting through my data from each day doing Leafs morning take, I'm looking for that sexy, spicy quote that's going to do something on social media as opposed to like, yeah, I thought we were great last night. You know, the boys got it together. The goal, like nobody gives a fuck about those nah, answers. Boring. I'm sorry. You know, it is. Exactly. Especially in Canada too, like where you yeah. know the game. You watched it. You know exactly what happened on the PK. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to hear about that, man. I watched the yeah. game. Yeah. I-, I want personality. What'd you do on the beach in Fort Lauderdale last week, right? Yes. Respito? Yes. No? Hey, no. you're very tanned right now. What's going on? <laughs> exactly. uh, I was watching the Leafs morning take uh, yeah. yesterday as I was prepping for this. First thing that yeah. kind of sticks out to me is in your background, your setup. You got the D2 poster up on the wall there. And yeah. that was one of those movies where it came out right. You and I are roughly the same age. It yeah. came out right in a spot in my childhood where we were all trying knuckle pucks. We were all trying to those moves. Do we need another version of a Mighty Ducks kind of to bring a younger generation into hockey? Don't you think like that was just such a big part of my childhood, that movie. 
I do, but I don't know if the cheese would fly in this era, man. There's just so much out there. Like that, those movies were so cheesy. They were my top three movies of all time: D one, D two, D three. I have the fucking movie poster, as you can see, and we're mm-hmm. not we're not doing video for this, but like. It, it's just I don't know if the cheese is gonna fly. Having said that, they have like that Game Breakers show that they have a spinoff on um, Disney, and I don't understand how you have a season two. Gordon Bombay didn't come back, Emilio Estevez because he wouldn't get his shot, wouldn't get vaccinated. So they, I don't know what they did. I haven't even watched yet. But like, you need him in the movie and you need him in the in the show. Um, but I just don't know if there's gonna be appetite for that type of cheese. Like where you look back and you're like, holy shit, the goalie on Iceland and D two was. Uh, you know, a player in, in D3, like there's just so many, too many questions, you know? And it goes, it's funny too, because you go back to it and it's like, oh, the knuckle puck was the big thing from D2. And then yeah. I was trying it in practice. We all were trying it in practice. But yeah. then you look at a 10 year old now in 2022 and they're doing kind of shit with the, with the puck yeah. that nobody could think of back then. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah. The Michigan. Yeah. Michigan. Like it's just the Zegris, the Michigan, whatever you want to yeah. call it. It's just, isn't the skill in this game right now just off the charts? Oh, it's it's insane. Uh, I love when Torts gets all pissy about it. It's like, dude, I, I don't I don't know what you're looking for in 2022 where I think we preach that. And on top of that, we're facing out fighting. Right. And I always laugh covering the Leafs because maybe I'm old school. But like, for example, Ty Delandria took a, a healthy run of John Tavares last night. Did did anybody even fucking bat an eye? No, mm-hmm. if if that happened in 1995 or 2000, rest assured somebody would be answering to Ty Delandria and he would know never to fucking touch John Tavares. But it's a different era, and I find I'm having a tough time trying to cope with that. I am too. Um, we had this it, conversation yeah. on Oilers Nation Radio uh yesterday where yeah. we were talking about the Oilers don't have any of that in their game right now. They don't really have scrums. There's no pushback. Yeah. I think about like it was a week ago, maybe 10 days ago, something like that, where somebody touched at Andre Vasilevsky and yeah. all five lightning players were in the pile. Like didn't matter who was there. We were all going in. Yeah. Whereas I miss that. Like if you snow Stuart Skinner, yeah, you should be answering the bell for it. That's yeah. just how I grew up. That's the game I grew up watching. Yeah, that's the problem is we're all kumbaya. It's fucking tummy sticks. I think Biz Nasty calls it where everybody's friends with everybody. Instagram has been a huge factor. TikTok, Snapchat, we're buzzing around, snapping around, going out city to city with each other, like practicing together in the off season. That's that's pretty much what I attribute that to. Um, to get back to the skill question, yeah, it's it's crazy how different this game is than say like 20 years ago where every player could do the Michigan move and uh, just the way they're moving the puck around with speed and pace. Like it's, it's a fun game right now. It's just a lot different. I would say than back in the day, back in the day, who was your favorite player of all time? I was a huge Pavel Burry guy, massive Ooh, Pavel Burry guy. Yeah. I'm trying to think like, you're going to like Claude Giroux is one of my favorite players. Like I have the randomest favorite players like Claude. Giroux, I, I respect that pick. Used to love Ray Bork back in the day because half not? of my family was was Bruins fans. And then, like, I lived in Montreal, so, like, there's a healthy rivalry. He'd always kill, um, you know, the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Matt Sandin, naturally, as a Leafs fan growing up, like, he was one of my favorites. Alex Mogilny, like, those type of guys. But Burry, you can't go wrong with Burry, man. Like, he was a weapon out there. What about the flip side of the question? Who's a guy that just kind of like was in your mind, just like, oh, I hate this guy. And it wasn't maybe the player himself, but just what they did to the Leafs. Like for me, I think of a player I hated growing up. It was Peter Forsberg, because if the Oilers ever played the Avalanche, I know he was good for at least a goal or two. And it didn't matter what was going on. The Oilers were so bad in those eras that just he would feast on them. And it drove me crazy. 
Yeah, I think the answer to that, being a Leafs fan growing up, would be Daniel Alfredson. Just so many spirited battles with the Ottawa Senators, and they would just fucking bring it. Funny enough, I was in Florida last week, and Patrick Laleem, we ran by him. We walked by him on the beach. It was like the randomest shit ever. Patrick Laleem. Yeah, it was so... My buddy's like, that's Patrick Laleem. I'm like, holy shit, I used to hate that guy. But yeah, him... Uh, I, I was lucky enough to work with Matt Barnaby in my career. I'm like, the first time I met him, I'm like, dude, I fucking hated you. And he's like, you're not alone. <laughs> but like, you just knew Barnaby was going to drag his entire team and himself yep. and his line. And you know, the usher in section 320 into the game. And it was just going to be bad news for the Leafs. So like there along those lines, like the Islanders, Buffalo, Ottawa, any players that rolled through those teams, I just couldn't stand them. And you mentioned Brad Marchand earlier as a guy that you liked, yeah. like, like, I like him too for that exact yeah. reason. Not only yeah. can he back it up, he is incredibly skilled, but he is so annoying. He is oh, so irritating. Dude, the guy is such an impeccable player. And like, I think he's a surefire Hall of Famer. And I'm willing to get in that conversation with just about anybody. Like, just the way he plays the game with Edge, he can score, he can fight, he's got skill. Like, it, it, he really is like a rarity, I think, in this day and age. And, they're being phased out. But yeah, like I really, really appreciate at the very least Brad Marchand, what he's done in his career, considering where he's drafted too, right? 100%. Um, talked a little bit about the Leafs Sens when you're growing up. What's the best rivalry to you right now in the NHL? Ooh. Ooh. Edmonton Calgary's got to be in that conversation for sure. Um, I just, <clears throat> there's only select teams like when they play each other, I'll get up and watch. It's Calgary and Edmonton, the Battle of Alberta. It's over, right? There's two, two or three have done already. Yeah, we got one more on the 27th of December, yeah, and then we're done for the year. I need like seven of those. Um, yes, and and maybe it's because of that that weird COVID year where everybody's playing everybody like a billion times. I, I just love the revenge narrative, so that's probably my favorite rivalry. Now we got in the playoffs as Calgary and Edmonton. Well, and it was the first playoff series in 30 plus years. They yeah. just, the, the both cities were fired up. When you go down to Calgary, it's half of where there's fans. When you come up here, there's like, there's, you know, there's a handful of Flames fans. RIP yeah. them. Uh, <laughs> it's great. It's great. I love rivalries. The schedule thing, it drives me insane when we looked mm-hmm. at it. And it's like, we get three battles of Alberta after that playoff series. Like, what are we, what are we doing here? Can't you cut out a game against Columbus or something? Like, I don't care about Columbus. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Nick, I know you got to go here soon. You got a big interview coming up. I can't believe it's bigger than this one, but okay. <laughs> it's not. It's okay. Not. Uh, so I got I to gotta ask you my question of the week. Um, we're in December. Christmas yeah. season. Lights have been up since, you know, November 12th, where I carry everywhere already. What's the worst part of this time of year for you? For me, one, it's dark at 4 p.m. I hate it. Two, I don't want to hear the same Christmas songs over and over again. Why can't we come up with some new tunes? And then three, just the constant pressure on your schedule for me is just there's always something going on is this a cop-out answer can i be like it doesn't feel like christmas at least no, in these hit parts me. hit me so so you're out in alberta dude it, it's fucking like balmy outside i'm wearing my spring jacket like it doesn't feel that's what gets me and then when you send me that question that's what gets me is like it doesn't feel like christmas like i want that feel i want some snow on the ground like i there's nothing in my area that that says Christmas is two weeks away or three weeks away. It's weird. Yeah, in Edmonton, I wish I could send you some. We just get it dumped. Yeah. But yesterday was minus 30, and today it's almost zero. It doesn't make any sense what's going no. on right now. No. So that's my takeaway. I don't like the fact that it's busy, too. Granted, I'm the person last minute. I might you know, make a couple stops at the mall in the next couple weeks, do my shopping, and that's it. That's all. But I can't stand that at that point where it's so busy at the mall you can't even move. 
Yeah, I'm a big 23rd, 24th shopper guy because I just, I'm a goldfish. I forget about stuff. Uh, let's wrap up the interview with a positive. What's the best time? What's the best part of this time of year? I said this on, I did a radio hit this morning and I got asked this question. I was like, you know what? It's December 7th as we're recording this. And if I want to have a cocktail, I'm just going to go ahead and have a cocktail. Nobody's going to say a word about it because it's Christmas, baby. Yeah, the the food would be my answer. Like my mom whips up a, a feast, not only for Christmas Eve, but Christmas Day. Uh, boxing day too like there's leftovers like the feed would be it for me because i'm italian get an influx of you know pasta and fish and that's right up my alley so yep. the food for sure would be my answer yep well italian food come on yeah come on what's it. the best di- what's the best dish i'm making dinner for my missus tonight nick Alberta. nice, nice. I, i'm not really i can't cook worth shit but if i'm going to make her one italian meal that is going to knock her socks off what yeah. should it be it's got to be spaghetti and meatballs like that's classic Oh, it's a, it is a classic. I'm working on a carbonara. It's okay. We've got work to do, you know? Okay. Car- carbonara is a bit... Th- yeah, spaghetti and meatballs, I think, to me, would be the classic. Like, if you can masterclass that, she'll do anything for you, and I mean anything. Amen. Amen. Nick Alberga from the Leafs Nation, daily face-off, basically everywhere he can broadcast from. Thanks for the time today, pal. My pleasure. Anytime. Roof of the saddle, don't crumbling. Roof of the saddle, don't crumbling. Roof of the saddle, don't crumbling. You're listening to Better Late Than Never telling you to stay the fuck out of Calgary. I love Nick. He's a good dude. You should check out his show, Leafs Morning Take. He's just fun. I just like the way he broadcasts. I like the idea that content has to be more interesting. I think we're lucky to have him in the network, to be honest. Looking at the voicemail today, I've got a bunch of stuff, a bunch of your thoughts, and I'm looking forward to getting to all of them, so there's no time to waste. Let's just get to the first voicemail. Hit me. You don't drink my fucking bath water, you? No, get easy. Mate, Anyway, this is a surprise fucking RSB. I, um... I'm finding it hard to to ingest this beer, and I'm sitting in the bathtub right now. Oh, nice! Drinking a beer, which is normally one of my favourite things, but like, I just finished the latest episode, mate, and I'm fuming. Go for it! I cannot believe not one other fan of this fucking show <laughs> voted KFC as their all-time franchise. <laughs> Man, uh huh. I didn't even care about variety of menu. I could eat the same fucking meal from there every day. It was my first job in high school and people were like, oh, when you start working there, you won't want to eat it anymore. Motherfucker, it made me want to eat it even more. Gretzky, <laughs> stop drinking the bathwater, mate. That's weird. Wait a minute, is your dog named Bathwater? That's weird. That's the kind of shit I have to tell my therapist. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> fuck, man. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't want to take Tyler's side here, but like with fans like this that don't like KFC, I can see why you want to uh, uh, close down the beat cast. <laughs> How dare Anyway. You? Play La Bamba, motherfucker. I, you know what? I deeply respect drinking a beer in the tub. I also like that your dog's named Gretzky. I, there's a whole lot to like here. I, you know, don't pee in the bath. I'm going to recommend you stop doing that. That is generally gross. Although sterile. You know? Lots to like there. 
One of my simple pleasures in life is drinking a beer in the shower. I'm not really a big bath guy. I don't like to watch my nuts float around, but beer in the shower? Come on, all day. Brian, what do you guys say? You're listening to Better Late Than Never, the most entertainment you've had since Friday nights on Showcase back in the 90s. Oh, yeah. Man, you just you brought me way back there, Brian. Watching uh, Red Shoe Diaries on Showcase on Fridays post-midnight? Come on. That was a young bag milk stream. I'd sit there and wait all night for that flash of booby. Mmm. Mmm. Same with Wild On. Do you guys ever watch Wild On with Brooke Burke? Love that show, too. Love that show. JD? How many shows is your M-Check going to be getting? I mean, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I love the guy. But your bag milk. Uh-huh. Bag milk needs more time on the air. Thank you. I mean, real life, everyone's talking over each other and stuff, which is perfectly fine. I'm totally down for that. On Nation Radio, you should have your own little time slot, just strictly bag milk talking. Maybe invite Zach and Waz. I love those guys, too. Yep, they're great. But your M-Chuck show, you get a Friday. You should co-host the thing because, like, your M-Chuck, all he does is just speculate for an entire show, which is perfectly <laughs> fine because that's half of, you know, being an Oiler fan is you speculate everything, but how much, like, you know, Ryan O'Reilly, uh, we should try getting him for some picks and somehow figure out salary or go get Jacob Chikrin or Jack Campbell's bad because of this. I mean, it's just, honestly, the more bag milk, the happier the people are going to be, and I'm speaking for the people. Anyways, love the show. Go McDonald's. Catch you later. JD. Thank you. I don't know that you need more of me. I don't know that you do. Here, let me walk you through what my months look like. I do currently five podcast episodes a week. That's plenty. I also do the Bcast. And I think I'm just, to be honest, I'm just getting my way. I just, I see the response to the Bcast and I'm just not going to stop doing it. Tyler can tell me that it can get, that it should be canceled. I'm just not going to stop. Until somebody changes the Instagram password on me, and they don't put it in the password protector program or whatever it's called that we use that I have access to, I'm just going to keep beat casting. Oilers Nation After Dark is coming. It is going to be announced who the host of that show will be very, very soon. But I'm going to do my thing. So I appreciate that you want more of me. But that's why you're here. Better late than never is just all me. There's nobody else here. I've got my Frank mic on. He hasn't been in the room yet. I, I can't even get my co-host in here. Frank's snoozing somewhere. We went on a long cruise today because, man, let me digress for a second. Dogs in Edmonton must be so confused all the time. Like today, I took Frank out and it was minus two or something. Either way, it was beautiful. It was a lovely day. I could have stayed outside all day with him today. He was having a great time running in the field, jumping in the snow, doing dog shit. He loves it. But yesterday... It was like minus 30 yesterday. So I go to open him, open the door just to let him outside and go for a pish. And then what does he do? He's just like, what is this? Doesn't want to go outside. And I don't blame him. He's like, he's like, look, he's looking at me. He's looking at me at the door. He's like, man, you don't fucking, you don't poo outside. Well, you make me poo outside. I get it. Shout out to the dogs out there. Shout out to you, JD. I still do want to do two episodes a week of this podcast. And the day where I'm able to do that is coming. Um, so I just want to do more quick ones. Like this will be the kind of standard format. I've listened to the feedback about having more guests. Happy to have Nick Alberga on today. I'm going to try and schedule a guest again for next week, just to try and get more of those in there, just to make sure that's a little bit different. 
I think that I've done a poor job recently of getting guests, and that's mostly because my schedule is erratic, but ultimately, I'm in control of this. There's no one else here. So if you want more me, you might be getting your wish. You might be getting your wish. Nick, what do you got to say? Big milk. So last week's uh, Righteous Sack beating, someone came on here and shit on Tyler Uremchuk for trying to cancel a beat cast. Mm-hmm. So you know what I say? I say, we keep the tradition going of shitting on real-life podcast members. <laughs> Hang on, Nick. If you're going to do a righteous sack beating, I didn't do a righteous sack beating today for our friends at Trilogy Oldfield Rentals. So I just had Nick, uh, I just had Nick Alberga on the show. So if you want to do an RSB, I'm going to let you do it. You want to see a man, boy? I'll show you a man. Kick me in the jimmy. Well, let's do it right. Got to make sure you have the intro, Nick. After you, Chris Chalmers. How fucking dare you disrespect Canada's men? I'm like. <laughs> Uh, if you don't know, if you don't listen to real life, Chalmers basically said that having Canada lose all three games at the World Cup is a massive failure. <laughs> and that when we're talking about them making history at the World Cup with the first goal by Alfonso Davies and the first appearance in, uh, you know, 30 years since 1986, that we shouldn't be celebrating it, that more people are making too big of a deal out of failure than we should be. <laughs> I uh I'm not a big soccer guy. Like I like in, I'm enjoying the World Cup. I like watching the games in the morning. But uh I I just couldn't buy that one. I understand the historical significance of Canada making it to the World Cup and getting that first goal. And by no means was it perfect. By no means were we celebrating participation ribbons here, but at some point you have to look at it and be be like, "Man, this could be the first time of a bunch of consecutive appearances that we're in line for. The Team Canada is a very young team, so you know when the World Cup is here in North America four years from now, they're going to be better than they were at that first at this tournament in Qatar. At least that's what I think. Liam convinced me of that, and I trust Liam in all things soccer. You know, go listen to him on kickback. But uh, Chalmers, he was not impressed at all. So there's the context if you didn't know. Nick, back to you. This righteous act in the event that Chalmers might hear it. But I know he won't because he's too busy listening to his American sports media and can't get his head out of his own ass. <laughs> listening to these guys who are so self-centered, they don't understand the world, that the world doesn't revolve around them. Mm. The Canadian men's soccer team has not made the World Cup in 36 years. I think Chalmers thinks they've made, they make every other World Cup or something. He made a, he made a quote on the Real Life podcast that this, it prompted the sports now. And it was about how some American sports media made a comment that Canadian fans should be embarrassed about their team's performance. <laughs> well, you know what I say, Chalmers. I say the only thing Canadian soccer fans have to be embarrassed about is that there are people in our fan base who think like you do, that you are in our fan base. That's the only thing we have to be embarrassed about. <laughs> any, any progress was history <laughs> for Canada. I don't understand how someone like Chalmers can be, have such a strong opinion It'd be so uneducated on the topic. Maybe this is all just for show, but it's such a dumb argument to try and make. I'm leaving a righteous sack beating for it. Anyways, thanks, Bank Milk. I, uh, you know what? I'm not a big soccer guy too, but I'm buying what you're putting down, Nick. Down with Chalmers. We're all Chalm out on Chalmers. Surveyor Brett, what say you? The worst part about Christmas season has got to be Tyler Umshuk's war on bag milk. <laughs> uh-huh. I agree. Canceling his show. Mm-hmm. Ditching him. The FS. 
Big Air Championships presented by Toyota. Yep, we had a date on Saturday, canceled Canceling it. his birthday and probably stealing his Christmas presents. Yeah. And the tree and all the decorations mm-hmm. and even the little crumb for the mouse. Mm-hmm. Probably steals Frank's dog food. Probably. Fuck Tyler. Tyler is just... I love Tyler. I do. I love him a lot. But he's hurting me. Down to my core. And I don't understand what I did to deserve it. Tim? Hey, Bag Milk. What's up, love man? the question of the week this week. I am a big Christmas guy. I love the presents. I love the songs. Me too. I love the cheer. Mm-hmm. I love the lights. Just all of it. Big Christmas guy yep. here. But this year, there is one thing that is sucking the Christmas joy out of my soul. Hit me. And that is the fucking Rogers commercial. <laughs> you know the one. Anyone who has watched Puffy on TV in the last two weeks knows exactly what commercial I'm talking about. And I'm not going to say the words, and I'm not going to sing the fucking tune, but I can tell you I can't get to the mute button fast enough. (laughs) I hate that commercial. I hate Rogers. I will never buy a Rogers product for as long as I live because of that stupid commercial. I hate it. Tim, you know what? I too love Christmas and I uh, know exactly what commercial you're talking about. And that was very funny to me. Don't let it turn you down. Don't let it get you down though. You know, don't let it get you down. Celebrate. Have a weekday cocktail. That's what I do. That's what I do. Up next, Ben, what do you got? Hey, Big Milk. This is Ben. What's going on, buddy? Sorry, I'm going to rewind that. I'm going to hang on, Ben. Let's check out what you got for me. Hey, Bag Milk, this is Ben, 13 years old. 13 years old, I, uh, should you be listening to this? Hmm, I'm trying to think now. Would I want my 13-year-old listening to a guy named Bag Milk, teaching advice, spewing off nonsense? You know what, I probably would. Ben, if you need a role model, you count me in, buddy. Probably every time listener, first time voicemailer. Please keep the voicemails coming then, pal. If you're listening every week, I want to hear from you. I want you to chime in. Uh, I'm going to answer a question from a couple of weeks ago. Who Please. is your favorite oiler, first favorite oiler and why? Hit uh, me. Mine was Taylor Hall. Yeah, that makes sense. But I was about six, I think, six or seven. Hang on. Ben is leaving us this message, and he is 13 years old. Taylor Hall was his first favorite player, which makes total sense based on his life timeline. But that was already seven years ago that he was gone? Oh, my Lord. Time flies, hey? Man, does time fly. Um, I started getting into hockey. like Taylor Hall because I like the number four. And then... The um, the season I like started getting into hockey was the huge haul for Larson trade. Ooh, so the one. morning that it happened, I was on my way to my grandma's for brunch with the family. I bet it was a great brunch too. Grandmas always have the best brunch. And uh, my dad told me he got traded. I was just bawling my eyes out. I couldn't believe it. I was like, Taylor Hall? For who? And I was like, Adam Larson. And I'm like, who's Adam Larson? (laughs) 
And he's like, I don't know. And then for the whole time I was at my grandma, I was just bawling my eyes out in the corner. So, yeah, huge fan. Hope to call more. Bye. Please keep calling in, Ben. You can uh, answer any questions you want. doesn't matter if it's from a few weeks ago. It doesn't matter if it's this week. Any ones you want, pal. It's interesting to hear your perspective on the Taylor Hall trade because once upon a time, I used to do a podcast called North by North Grits. And it was the first podcast in the Nation Network. And we recorded an episode that day. It was like an emergency podcast, kind of like what I do on this podcast sometimes. But man, if I could listen to that episode, I was so mad. I was so mad about the return. The trade is one for one. We all remember that tweet from Bob McKenzie. And it just, I was so mad. So mad. So to hear you crying your eyes out at grandma's house, probably not even enjoying that delicious brunch you whipped up. I feel you, buddy. I feel you. But at the same time, nothing says I'm an Oilers fan quite like crying your eyes out at your grandma's house. We've all been there, at least metaphorically. We've all been there. Ben, welcome to the show. Thank you for listening. Please keep sending me your voicemail, all right, pal? Evan, what do you got to say? Best thing I could buy with $20. Ooh. Probably a shit ton of Carolina Reaper powder to put in his fucking veggies, to put in Tyler's veggies. (laughs) I will deliver them in a package. Send them to Oilers Nation HQ. Mm -hmm. So every loss... Tyler Yamchuk has to have something like that. Mm-hmm. If he's going to cancel the beat cast, then he's going to suffer. Yeah, he should suffer. He must suffer. He also canceled our date. I don't know how long he's unofficially will cancel it, but if he does, he's a little piece of shit. <laughs> um, what's the worst thing about Christmas? <laughs> just, a, just a seamless well, transition in there. I was going to say buying shit for everyone trying to like figure out what to buy for them but i don't know i would say it's probably growing up yeah like the feeling of growing up and then like it doesn't have as much meaning anymore yeah like, i feel that i understand this i don't know i can't really explain it but yeah like everything's so black and white how it used to be white and shit like you know what i mean I I totally understand what you mean. Like as you get older, Christmas is just kind of like you appreciate the time off. You appreciate the time spent with friends and family and you appreciate, at least in my case, the ability to drink cocktails on a nightly basis just because it's December. But I get it. You don't have the thing where you wake up at like five in the morning and run down to the tree and see all the presents and be like, Santa came, Santa came. You don't have all that. Like I miss that part. The innocence of youth, if you will. The innocence of youth. I guess that's why people have kids or something like that. I don't know. I don't really have any kids. What do I hate about Christmas season? <laughs> what do I hate about this time of year, even though I love it? What a question. At the same hey? time. Like, I love the ODRs. I mean, hopefully it's not fucking like negative 40 mm-hmm. all the time. I mean, negative 20 is usually, you know. It's too much. Time. Like the like the medium temperature where it's not too bad. It's still too bad. Um probably shopping because everyone just acts like they're fucking robots with no brain. Like some <laughs> like some spawned in robot when they go into a store and they just <laughs> put their fucking carts in the middle of the aisle and suddenly they just don't know what they're doing. Yep. They bring their 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 family of twenty kids. They go buy everyone shit. 
but the thing is, like, I don't know, I'd rather do it online, but at the same time, I fuck Jeff Bezos, and when he does to his employees, (laughs) like, you know, like, I don't know, they gotta be and make a union, man, but, yeah, like, I don't know, I want to buy in store, but it's like, sometimes people just piss me off, like, I don't, I don't mind people, it's just the people that, you know what I mean, worst. I, I, I know what you mean, like, I don't like... I don't like going to the mall or just Christmas shopping in general for that reason. I'm generally introverted, so I avoid people whenever possible. But if you got to buy stuff at Christmas, like we're all, there's like a certain level of stress about being there. You don't want to be at the mall. You're like, where did I park? Or like, I don't remember. How much money do I spend? How much space do I have on my credit card? There's just all that stuff. And it kind of goes back to the last voicemail about like growing up, Christmas ain't the same thing, you know? Do you think we will see a <laughs> resurgence in rock uh, and like punk rock, like Green Day type stuff eventually? Like, yes. Like, do you think rap will be uh, on top forever? Like, how long do you think mm. it'll be till like other genres like start uh, getting more popular? Like, interesting question. I know, uh, like, there's funk, like that type of music. I fucking love funk. Um, but obviously, you know, it's more, it's kind of more underground. I, I find like, there's not a lot of people that like it, but I'm wondering how long it's going to be till like another genre, like starts competing with rap because rap right now is fucking crazy. Like rap I would huge. say that rap started to have its rise in like probably the eighties or nineties, you know, when NWA was like sure. a thing and that they just shit kind of just started a revolution almost. Um, yeah, sorry if you're uh, talking so much. I really hope there's you like have. I really hope that have something where it shuffles our our voice messages. Nope, you just got three in a row, Evan. But uh, that's a good question. It's an interesting question. I love hip hop, so I don't mind how much hip hop comes out and how popular it is. I'm just super into it. But to answer the question, I'm also a huge punk rock kid. I love metal. Metal's never going away. Metal's huge. If you go to a metal festival, there is just like. 100,000 people there. I'm just guessing like 100,000 people there and they're all going bananas and they're all dressed with like studded jackets and shit. Metal's never going away. It may not be mainstream, but metal is massive. But to answer your question, I'm a huge punk rock kid. And when I was growing up, when I was in high school, pop punk was the scene. It was essentially early 2000s pop punk was what hip hop is now. So to get us back there, I think we're in the right direction because we're getting all these nostalgia tours for the people that are my age. And if you got tickets to Blink-182 as an example next year and you did like I did and you spend a shitload of money on them, then you know maybe you're not going to bring your kids. You're going to bring a friend or a missus or whatever and you're going to go and you're going to have cocktails and make an evening of it. But if you can and you bring your kids to a Blink show and you see how they interact and you see the music and you see how fired up people is, people are, that's going to get the kids back into punk rock. And then you show them The Clash. And then you show them The Ramones. And then you show them The Sex Pistols. And you show them all the bands that came beforehand. The entry level is pop punk. And I'm glad it's making a resurgence. I'm glad Blink-182 is at the front of people's minds right now. Because that is, one, my favorite band. Two, I love this style of music. Great question. Mariah? Who cares about <laughs> Matthew? Wow. All I want for Christmas is Nuge. Wow. Who's got the pipes on that? I got to do that one more time. Who cares about Matthews? Man. All I want 
for Christmas is Nuge. That's fantastic. I don't think that's Mariah Carey, though. But man, that was great. Just part about Christmas is honestly just buying gifts. Yeah. And then your gift ends up being shitty. Yeah. They don't want it. And then you find out that it's in a the gift somewhere. you bought the person they never even end up using. Or you, like, you go to their house like a month later and you still see it in the box and you're like, oh shit. <laughs> got the wrong Like, I got a gift that they don't even like. Yeah. And then you feel bad about yourself. But then you're like, well, whatever. <laughs> It honestly happens every year, so. Yeah, we, you're better off just getting a freaking gift card or sending them money because then they can get whatever the frick they want. Kind of, hey. Like, we do a gift exchange at my family where we set a limit, like, I don't it's like 50 bucks or something like that. So we all pick names and we, we draw. And it's funny because a couple of my family members this year, like, they're like, I don't want to do the gift exchange. We just buy ourselves whatever we want anyway, so we're out. And I'm just like, well, that's kind of missing the point. But at the same time, I get it. You know, I like gift exchanges like this where you have a set limit and you got to try and be creative. Like at the nation at our Christmas party, we always do one and I'm very, very much looking forward to it. The limit is 20 bucks. I always buy something the stupidest possible gift I want. It's always the one that nobody wants in the gift exchange. So I always think that's great. I love it. Uh, if you want to chime in on what the worst part of Christmas is or what the best part of Christmas is, because that'll be next week's question, hit me up with a voicemail. The link is in my link tree and there wraps up the voicemail. Thank you guys so much for chiming in on the voicemails. Please keep doing that. Leave me reviews too. Don't just leave me voicemails. Leave me reviews so I can get bumped up in the Apple algorithm. Would love this podcast to keep growing in 2023 as it has throughout this year. Again, I'm going to have more guests. I'm going to do more episodes. Now that I've got the studio set up in my basement, it just makes it so much easier. Thank you, as always, for the voicemail. It is undoubtedly one of my favorite segments, but I'm looking at the record clock. We are almost at two hours. Thank you to Nick Alberga for giving me a bunch of his time. Thank you guys for being here and riding through with me on the first year of Better Late Than Never, more or less. We're coming up on a year anyway, and that's where we're going to wrap it up. So to thank my friends at the audio department, Trilogy Oldfield Rentals, Betway and Tourism Jasper for making it all possible. I appreciate you. Until next Wednesday, go Oilers. Big game's coming up. We got a 4-2 win coming up against Arizona. Let's go. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. 
All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. 